0: 1 Corinthians 15 and 58. Um, Like I say, we all know this, guys. We're all going through things constantly in our daily lives. Uh, If it's not at our job, then it's in our own family. If it's not there, then in every facet of our life, there's trials and there's tribulations and there's things that we must endure. Thankfully, the Word of God uh, has a lot of instruction and a lot of, it explains to us that there's a lot of joy and a lot of hope in what we have at the end. Amen. There's a lot right now that's going on that we have a lot of trouble with, and I understand that. But we don't look to now, we look to the end. What is the end result of our faith? And that is eternity in heaven with our Heavenly Father. Yes. Uh, therefore, First 1 Corinthians 15 and 58, um, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, Knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Father, we thank you for another time to be in your house. God, I thank you that you've given us this opportunity to be here. Lord, I thank you for this facility that we have here, that we can use it in this way. That you had us put all the stuff in here that was necessary for us to be able to gather. Father, I thank you for the people. I thank you for their heart. I thank you for what they mean to one another and what they mean to this body. Father, you see those who aren't able to be here. We ask that you would be with them tonight, that you would touch them in a special way. If there are those who are struggling with physical ailments, that you would heal them. Lord, if it be spiritual battles that they're fighting, Father, we just pray, Lord, that they can push through. God, don't let them give up, Father. We ask that your spirit would comfort them in their time of need. Father, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, just to expound, (coughs) excuse me, on that, on that thought. Therefore, my beloved brethren, I love that. Brethren is men and women, correct? We understand he's not just talking to the men. He's talking to the men and the women. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing, especially the last part of the passage. But let's read three verses that can help broaden our understanding of Paul's instruction because he's given us instruction in here. He's told us three things that we can do. So that when we do come up against adversity, which is how often, I would assume if it's like it is for me, it's daily. Every time that you come up against adversity, every time something is against you, he's given us instruction here to ensure that we will will come out a winner on the back side. Ecclesiastes 12, 9 through 13, this is be steadfast, be morally fixed and purposed in our relationship with God. What is the first commandment? The greatest commandment. His commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, all your might. Everything that you are, you're to love him with that. Ecclesiastes 12, 9 through 13. Now we know who is this that is writing. The the wisest man, it says. Solomon, the wisest man. He's arranged proverbs. He's put all of these things together. He was called the preacher. But here's the thing. In Ecclesiastes 12, 9 and 13, he's talking about the end of his life. And when, once you get to the end of something and you can look back on it, you realize what's not important. There are many, many things as a parent, as a, as a teacher, as a husband, as a, that they're not important. At the time, I thought they were really important. I made a big deal out of them. And now that I look at out, look them out from this side, I realize I really shouldn't have made such a big deal of that. It wasn't quite as bad as I thought it was. I made it worse. We have a tendency to do that. We make things worse because we're not being led by the Spirit. We're listening to our flesh. We're listening to our uh, affections, our feelings. We're being led by self and not by Christ. Yeah. Ecclesiastes 12:9 through 13. In addition to being a wise man, the preacher also taught the people knowledge. And he pondered. He searched out and arranged many proverbs. The preacher sought to find delightful words and to write words of truth correctly. The words of wise men are like goads. And masters of these collections are like well-driven nails. They are given by one shepherd. Who is the one shepherd? That's God. We know who is the good shepherd. But who? who is it? Everything that's happening, even this moment now, was orchestrated by the God of the universe. Mm-hmm. Every single thing. But beyond this, my son, be warned. The writing of many books is endless, and excessive devotion to books is wearying to the body. In other words, if it's not about God... If it's not to the glory of God, if it's not further explaining the instruction of God's word, it's really not necessary for you to read it. You can read and read and read. and never come to the knowledge of who the Son of God is. Because there's many, many people out there who have an idea of what they think God is, correct? But if it doesn't align with the word of God, then it's not real. I'm not telling you not to study, because I studied for five years so that I could get degrees. Did it help me in my ministry? Absolutely not. There was nothing that I learned it helped me to do what I'm doing right now. Uh, it did it help me to persevere. There's things that I learned through that, how to study, how to apply myself to things, but none of that helped me in the word of God. But it was still necessary, correct? Mm-hmm. And even in our job, there's things that are necessary. So he's not saying, don't read other things, don't study, just study the word of God every second of every day. That's not what he's implying. But searching after knowledge, that has absolutely nothing to do with either your career or With the word of God, it's really useless. A lot of the books we read, a lot of the things that we look at, that we watch, it's for naught. It means nothing. He says the conclusion, this is the greatest. The conclusion when all has been heard is fear God and keep his commandments. Because this applies to every person. Mm -hmm. Every person. So in Ecclesiastes, be steadfast, morally fixed and purposed in our relationship with God. What does it mean to be steadfast? I read it morally fixed and purposed in your relationship with god brother scott said it this morning and you're not going to hear very many messages where someone doesn't bring that up what is your heart's desire what is it that you truly now that you love more than anything else is it the pursuit of money what is it that makes you happy what brings you joy because in those things you can find the truth of your heart it's deceitfully wicked and it can fool you there's a way that seems right to a man but the end is destruction Destruction, we have to be very very careful about that myself included none of us are excluded from this because the last thing he says is because this applies to every person every single person should fear god and keep his commandments Hmm. that seems pretty simple nothing that we're going to talk about tonight is something that's really deep and you have to study a whole lot to try and figure out what it means because the word of god is pretty straightforward And there's nothing that hasn't been said that hasn't been said before. Is that what we understand in the word? There's nothing new under the sun. That's right. Absolutely nothing. Even the things that we think are the most perverted and horrible and terrible things that are happening, they've already happened. There is nothing new. There's no new perversion. They killed children and sacrificed their children to Baal. All of these things that we see happening now, they happened then also. There's nothing new. We just see it more. Why? Why? because we have 24-hour news channels. We have the ability to see anything that's happening when it's happening constantly. And if you saturate your mind with that and that's all you put in, what do you think is gonna come out? You have to be careful with that. The things that we watch, the things that we listen to, the things that we hear, they're a detriment to us many times. Just as he says here with that excessive devotion to books. At that time, they didn't have a television, did they? But I can assure you that Solomon in his wisdom would have said, If all you ever do is just watch TikTok or if all you do is watch videos all day, if all you do is that, then you are an ignorant person. It has no value. It adds nothing to your life. Absolutely nothing. And the whole point is what? We're to glorify God. How can we glorify God if we do not know his word? That's right. If he's not truly our heart's desire and what we're seeking. Brother Matt didn't say if you watch TikTok that you're going to go to the devil's pit. That's not what I'm (laughs) implying. I'm just saying... There is a time for everything. We should apply ourselves to the study of the Word of God as if it's the most important thing in our life because it truly is. Not reading it. I know that we're supposed to read and we're, we're all hopefully going through and reading the Bible for the year. Don't just read the Bible, study the Bible. It says study to show yourself a workman rightly approved. The second verse of three verses to help this out. Hebrews 10 and 23 tells us this. Be immovable. By focusing on Christ through an unwavering faithfulness to the truth. Do you hear that back in? To an unwavering faithfulness to the truth. Hebrews 10 and 23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Do you believe that? Yep. Do you believe that he who saved your soul is faithful to bring you to the end? Mm-hmm. Y'all, there's a lot of people, they have no hope whatsoever. Because they're lost in a dying world. There's also a category of evangelical people who believe that they're saved, they're born again people, but they have no confidence in their salvation. What is it like not to have confidence in that? I can tell you because I lived it for years. Not to have confidence in the salvation, in the the blood, in the redemption that Jesus Christ, that is a horrible way to live your life. Because you wonder, is the next sin the sin that sends me to hell? Which one is it? It was said tonight, the one that sends you to hell is the one that's unrepentant. It's the one that the blood doesn't cover. Yep. So what do we live our lives as? We live our lives as believers who are repenting daily. I repent constantly. We were having a conversation earlier, and Brother Scott had said something, and he thought about it later, and he said, maybe maybe I should pray about that. I'm not real sure. <laughs> I'm like, well, I don't... It, it, but that's what we talked about in Sunday school. A person who is filled with the Spirit of God a born-again believer, their conscience tells them... You know, I really shouldn't have said that. Yep. I shouldn't have said that that way. If you have that moral compass inside of you, just as it said, you're morally fixed on something, you're fixated on being Christ-like, you're not going to live as the world does. That's right. You're going to be different. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a passing thought in your mind. You will go about your day spewing all the things that you hear from your co-workers and from the people at Walmart and the people at the pharmacy who are mad because the worst part of their day is they had to wait five minutes for some medicine that people in another country walk miles to get, or they die because they can't get it. That's how ungrateful people are in America. I'm just being serious. I mean, that it's, it's such a, it's an epidemic of ignorance and foolishness. It's just like the Word of God says, why do people perish? They perish because of the lack of knowledge. And what is the first thing that we see in Ecclesiastes? That's what he's saying. He says, the preacher also taught the people knowledge. If we're not teaching knowledge from the pulpit, if you're not being taught knowledge in your class, if you're not being taught knowledge, what is the purpose for being here? It's not a social gathering. I'm glad we have one another. I'm gonna be quite honest with you. I'm excited because of how many of you are here. This is really great. But that's not the point. What we have together, it grows our faith. It should make you steadfast. Because guess what? There's a body of believers that are here with you. It should make you immovable. It should make you see that, guess what, you're not the only person who's like-minded, is fixed on Christ Jesus, His saving grace, what He's done for you, and that you have a purposed relationship with the Lord. That's one of the things that Brother Scott said, and I never thought about that the other day, is everybody has a personal relationship with God. Y'all, we've been taught that our whole life. If you want to go to heaven, you have to have a personal relationship with God. Guess what everyone does? Because the Word of God says there's coming a day when I will be... I will know him as I have known Well guess what All those people who bow the knee at the end And confess that he is Lord They will know him in the end yep. You have a relationship with him You just decided that you don't want it anymore yep. Or that you don't want it at all Which is the only unforgivable sin Which is what Blasphemy in the Holy Ghost yep. Yeah we all have a personal relationship with the Lord We just choose to either live out that Or to Reject it which we talked about Tuesday night about the rejection. It, the Word of God is beautiful, it's perfect. Colossians 3 and 23 through 25. He says, therefore, my beloved brother be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, abounding to surpass or go beyond the normal expectation and fully serve God. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw something the other day and it is kind of funny, but it's the truth. There's this thing called silent quitting. you ever heard of that term? If you are silently quitting at your job, it means that you do exactly what your job is for the exact amount of time for the money that you were promised. To me, that literally sounds like I'm doing my job, does it not? But that is not what a company asks of you to do they? No. They really don't. Neither does your God. Your God requires all of you. Amen. He requires you to give your 100%. Even if you're a 30%, there's 30, 60, 100 fold. It literally says it. Be a 100% 30-fold. That's all he's asking you to do. He's saying, give me everything that you have. Do what you can. But most people don't do that because it's so easy not to do that. So in Hebrews, sorry, in Colossians 3, 23 through 25, I love this. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. Don't be men pleasers. If you're here tonight to please a man, the Lord is not pleased with that. He is not satisfied with that. If you do things at work and the only time you work really hard or you make sure that you put a good word out is when the boss can see, God is not pleased with that. You do not work for your boss. You do not work for you. Work for God because you're a born-again believer. You're saved. Everything you have was given you by the Lord. It says, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. What is that inheritance? It's eternal life. Eternal life with Him. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. For he he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. Mm. Why do you do what you do? The amount of time that you put in, if you taught today, if you taught a class today, how much time did you truly spend preparing for that? Would you have spent more time making sure you bought the right stuff at the grocery store to fix a really good recipe? I mean I, I could go down the line, we can make a lot of different, we could talk about a lot of different things to compare it to, but I'm just being honest with you. When you came here today, what was the purpose of you coming here? Mm -hmm. And if you taught, let there not be many masters because they'll receive the greater condemnation. Do you not understand that? That if you're going to teach a people, you need to know what you're going to teach them. You better have put the time in. Mm -hmm. Nothing else that you have in your life is more important than that. And I know that we all have things that we've we've had to give and set aside. I would love to spend more time with my brother, with my dad, with my mom, with my grandpa, but I don't have the time. Because God comes first. Once God God is first, once all that stuff is done, then there is a there is a hierarchy. Mm-hmm. The Word of God even has it there. It's first, it's my God. Then it's my spouse. Then it's my children. There's my church. There's there's a way that this goes and it flows down. Mm-hmm. Can you honestly say that that's how you're living your life? Most people are not. They're just not abounding. Surpass or go beyond the normal expectation and fully serve God multiple times in the gospel timothy says this make sure of your calling fulfill your ministry over and over because he knows that why don't we seek out our salvation with fear and trembling because it's my job there is there's this thing that runs side by side it says guess what the lord saved me gloriously saved me it was by faith alone through christ alone that is it but i have an obligation. Now that I've been saved, now that I've been cleansed, I have an obligation to live that life out before men so that others might see and come to that same saving knowledge. I never have understood that idea even before I was a saved man. I never understood how a person could think that they could receive something so precious and never give it back. Never utilize that gift, never do anything with it, and that would please God. The same God that I saw in the Old Testament destroyed and saved, would smite people for things that i would think he would smite people because god would smite people because he sent them to destroy another people or or fight his own people then he would destroy them for fighting his people but he's the one who sent them there that's the god we serve i need to serve him with everything that i have not because i fear that he's going to destroy me but because of what he's done for me all those people who died without the knowledge and the understanding that we have seating in class, one of the things they said if it would be if, how do we say Sodom and Gomorrah yeah. if they knew the things that you and I know right now, they would have repented mm-hmm. Peter says in his gospel that we know the things that the angels desire to look into, they want to know the things we know, they don't even know them. Mm-hmm. we live in a time where nothing is held from us, especially if we're born again, if we're a believer nothing is held from you so then we move on It says, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. That is, of all of that, that's the best (coughs) part. Because here, the problem that we have, and myself included, is we want to see results. I need to pull up to McDonald's. And I need to pull from there. If there's a vehicle in front of me, by the time I break that window and give you my money, you best be giving me my food. If I order something from Amazon and it says two-day prime shipping... It best not be three days. We have an expectation, right? right. Well, (laughs) the Lord has an expectation of you too, believer. Come on. He saved you. He bought you. He purchased you with his blood. He has an expectation for you also. In Hebrews 10, 35 through 39, your toil, an exhausting and wearying effort of Christian virtue. Your toil. Listen to the definition of toiling. I mean, I, you could say you work harder, you do whatever, but when I think of toiling, I think of men back in the day building a railroad across somewhere or pickaxing for coal in a mine. That's toil. They're just everything. Their body aches every day. They're sweating. They have to. It's a horrible thing. That's a toil. He says it's exhausting and weary effort of Christian virtue. You know what your Christian virtue is? What God's given you. And all, all he's saying is, is what? It's your due service. What I've given you, render it back. Give it back to those. Your labor is not worthless, even if you do not see the outcome. And I'm going to be honest with you. That's the hardest one. I've heard it many a time. How many of you, especially those of you who are elders in the church, you know people who prayed for you or others and died and did not see the promise of that prayer. Mm -hmm. But in your lifetime, you saw that wrought. You saw that salvation. You saw that healing. You saw what God did. And it may have taken decades. It's not about what we see. It's about what we come, What we said earlier is, do you truly believe that he is faithful to do what he says he's going to do? Well, he says if you pray fervently, <coughs> the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. much. If you ask in his will and you truthfully ask, he will answer that. He never said when. He never gave you a time frame. That's the great thing about God. But here's the awesome thing about God is, he does everything perfect. We can't see that his timing is perfect, but it's always perfect. Seems to me like things should have happened. Seems to me like there should be 350 people in that church and we should all be in there tonight. It's not God's will. If it were, it would happen. God's will will happen. Amen. Why is it not? I don't know. Keep praying. Maybe he'll tell one of us. But I don't know, but it doesn't stop me from worshiping him. It doesn't stop me from living my life for him. I, because I'm steadfast and immovable in my faith. I believe in him. But what did what did Peter say? Jesus turned to them after John 6 and 66. They left. And he said, what about y'all? And he said, where are we going to go? You you have the words of eternal life. Do you realize that tonight? The one who you say saved your soul that's filled you. And, and he lives within you because you're a vessel for the spirit of God. He has the only words that you need. And he gave you a book full of them. All he's asked you to do is spend a little time to get to know him and who he is. Hmm. Hebrews 10, 35-39, Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you, listen, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. It, do you understand the first part? When you have done the will of God, that's your business. Yeah. God did the work in you. He wrought a work in you. And we're going to see here soon you have no reason not to do it. He is the one who saved you. He is the one who is faithful. He is the one who has filled you. And he has an expectation from a believer. It says, for yet in a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteousness, my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Hmm. That's apostasy. There are many people, just as we saw with the sower and the seed, there's many people who profess to be something that they are not. They never were truly saved. They never did receive something. They're like a Pharisee. They're living out the law. They're living out a lifestyle before men that seems right. But what did Christ tell them? You're whitewashed simplicers full of dead man's bones. You play the part really well. You look really good, believer, but you're not a true believer. That's a little bit harder for us to see because just as the word of God says is, at a time in Hebrews 5, at a time when you should be able to discern the difference between good and evil, you should be teaching people. I'm having to teach you again the elementary principles of who Jesus Christ is even. Laziness. That's what it boils down to. Because you have gotten complacent. You have moved away from where you were. And that's one of the problems that we have. Again, in the Word of God, it says, how were you so easily moved from the truth of who Christ is? Who is it that fooled you? Who is it that's changed your mind? Who did that? Is it yourself? Is it you? Because now you're, well, well, I'm good. I'm good. I don't have to do anymore. Or I heard John MacArthur, and I agree with him. He said, somebody asked him, when are you going to retire? He said, when I'm dead. You don't retire. You don't get to retire as a Christian. I'm not even talking about as a a pastor or an evangelist or a missionary. You don't retire from this. Your retirement is what? It's your reward. It's your inheritance that's in heaven. You are a child of God until the day that you die. There is no retirement plan on this side of eternity. It's there. And that's what we're shooting for. That's where we're going. It says again, but we are not of those. This I love that with Paul. He he always brings it well, the writer of Hebrews. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith of the preserving of the soul. Do you believe that? Do you believe that that's what the word says? Because that's, that's very important. Do you believe that he who began a good work will complete it? That's the hope and confidence that you and I have. We have to believe that. If we don't believe that, then what are we standing on? Because the word of God is the promises that we have that there is a hereafter. That there is a place that we're going to go. How many of you would like to go to heaven right now? Amen. I really would. Amen. I love life and I love my family and I love everything. But I would love to be somewhere else where I don't hurt like I do. I don't feel like I do. There's no contention in my life. And everything's perfect. hmm that's perfection. That's what I hope for. That's what I shoot for, aim for. That is my hope. So one of the problems that we have, we have many, bless Remember to focus on what God is doing in and through you and not on what this life is doing to you. You hear that? Say it again. Remember to focus on what God is doing in and through you, believer, and not on what this life is doing to you. And I'm being honest with you, I can think of in my own family, in my church family, in the people that I work with, life is doing a lot of stuff to us all. All it's doing is trying to destroy us because that's what life does. The whole point of life is to demoralize us. It, it, a lot of people, it dehumanizes people. It makes them to where they can just go kill another person. There's no, human life has no value. Nothing has any value. That's not us. We know the truth. We are of the truth. We have got to focus on Christ Jesus and Christ alone. Amen. Because what he can do through you and I and in us, what is God, instead of focusing on what God's not doing in someone else, what is God doing in you tonight? What did God do to you in the service this morning? What is God doing in you every single day? Not through you. Not as though you're a vessel and you're a light and all that. You are that believer. But is he changing you from glory to glory? Mm -hmm. Because if he's not, then you might need to check yourself. Mm -hmm. Because you're not perfect. None of us are. Please remember, we as born again believers have been ordained to accomplish the will of the Father. That's one of the things that's not taught a whole lot. The purpose of your life is to Accomplish the will of the Father. What was the Great Commission? Go ye therefore. Right? You're to go ye therefore. Every single one of us. When we leave this place, however that manifests itself, I'm not really sure. That looks different in all our lives, does it not? Uh, For me, it's 89, 90 kids. In just my team, plus all the people I work with, plus the 40 or 50 other kids that I talk to every day. For Miss Edwina, it's when she goes to the supermarket possibly. Someone that she sees in there and she's able to talk to. It looks different for all of us, but we all have a purpose. Yep. We all have, in this in this church, in this body, we all have a ministry to do. Don't ever discount that. As long as there's life and there's breath, God has a purpose for you. Amen. So how can we prove this? How can we prove that we are <coughs> ordained to accomplish the will of the Father? Well, this is the part that I really, really like. <laughs> Ephesians 2 and 10 says this. <clears throat> be prepared. We have been prepared beforehand. Understand that. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, yeah. which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. We <laughs> without excuse. Mm-hmm. If you're truly saved and born again and filled with the Spirit of God tonight, you're without excuse. Mm-hmm. And on that day when you stand before him, you will be judged by the perfect law of liberty. Mm-hmm. James 2 and 12. Okay. Do ye, speak ye, And act ye as though you will be judged by the perfect law of liberty, which is Christ Jesus, because you will. Mm -hmm. We read it tonight. Jesus Christ is an instrument in the hands of God, and you will be judged through Christ Jesus. It's literally what Romans said. Mm -hmm. Every one of us. For what we've done, sadly, scarily, for every word we've spoken. Mm -hmm. Every word you've ever spoken in your life, repentant or unrepentant, you will give an account for that in the day In that great terrible day of the Lord. Mm -hmm. James 3, if you haven't read it, read it, read it, read it. Read it, read it, read it. it. It'll change your whole perspective on this terrible thing that we have that can glorify, but also can tear people down. Mm -hmm. The word of God says, What? How can sweet water and salt water, how can those two things well they can't? That's just how wicked we are. We use the same vessel, the same lungs, the same breath that God gave us to worship God tonight. But by tomorrow, we will be talking about somebody. I'm just being honest. Because I'm the same way. We'll be upset and we'll speak words that are not words of encouragement. That are not words that are spiritual. We're not being guided by the Holy Spirit because we're... Thank God we're not vessels fit for wrath. But there's still a little bit of that residual sin in there. Mm-hmm. No, no, there's this mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. God's cleansed a little. But if you don't get rid of it, how can he fill you with anything else? Mm-hmm. Ephesians 1 1 through 6, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, thank the Lord, to the saints who are in Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is, this is another one, We're, we're without excuse, this one's a hard to read because we all have to live this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Mm -hmm. You've received everything. Mm -hmm. You've received everything. There's nothing else. When you were saved, born again, and filled with the Spirit of God, there's no second infilling. You were filled then. You have everything necessary to live out a godly life in Christ Jesus and to cast aside those things that so easily beset you. And to shun sin and to turn from it, you have that ability. Hmm. Through the Spirit of God that's been deposited in you. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. To the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. We owe Jesus Christ our life. There's a reason that he says that. There's a reason he says, pick up your cross every day and follow me. in Luke, he literally means that, believer. He literally means you've got to love me as though you hate everyone else. Hmm. Would our Lord, that's the thing about not studying the word. Would our Lord ever tell you to hate someone? Never. But he is, draw, he is making an analogy and he is saying the love that you have for me should be such a fervent love that it's as if no one else is more important. Because guess what? That's what the word actually calls for. Mm -hmm. But then what does he back that up and say? He says, but wait a minute. Anyone who doesn't take care of their family Mm -hmm. is worse than an infidel. That's our God. So you see, there is a hierarchy. There's a way that this flows. But if you don't treat your, if you don't worship God and you don't have him first, you will never treat anyone else right. Mm -hmm. You've got to submit yourself to God first in order to submit to anything else in life. If you will never turn your life over and surrender to Christ Jesus, you you will not make it. It's an impossibility. Ephesians 1 through 6. Now we have Romans 8, 29 through 30. I know we all know this one, but it's such a wonderful thing. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, so that he who would be the firstborn among many brethren, in these whom he predestined, he also called and these whom he called he also justified mm-hmm. and them who he justified he also, also glorified that's you and I Amen. what he began he says he who began a good work will finish it that's what that verse says mm-hmm. if you truly believe that you're saved and you're filled with the spirit of God he who began that work will finish it that's, that is an awesome promise find another religion or another anything that will give you that and you can't cool. there is no assurance to the believer. We have the greatest assurance that there is. Hmm. And then the last thing, one of the things that we had talked about in the very beginning, out of Hebrews 10 and 35, it talks about Christian virtue. Your toil, that is your work, it's an exhausting and wearying effort of Christian virtue. What is that? What is Christian virtue? That's what we're going to look at. There are seven. The beginning of last year, I preached this, and I can't help it. This is just where we find ourselves. Because none of these things that we're talking about tonight are things that we don't know. I don't think I've spoken any verse that you haven't heard at least 500 times. Um, there's nothing new. There's nothing hard. The only reason that any of this would be hard is because you refuse to submit yourself to God. Amen. And you're placing your wife and your kids and your job and your hobbies and everything above you. Which I do too. So this is not a I got you moment. This is a reality check. It's the DTR, define the relationship. There comes a time whenever you're dating someone that you sit there. I can remember what Ethan and Ainsley had there, listening to them talk about theirs. There comes a point in time when you sit down and you say, hey, I'm kind of involved in this. I'm pretty involved in this relationship. Where are you in this relationship? Well, let me tell you something. God has given you everything. I don't know what you're giving him. I have no clue. I can see some of the fruit and some that's boring, some that's not good. But guess what? Glory be to God. That is not my business. God is the one. It says, my father is the husbandman. He is divine. He cuts off that which is not good, and he purges it, and it's cast into the fire. That doesn't mean you have to be. But those ways, those things that are about you that are not godly, he will cut them off if you will subject yourself to him. But you really need to answer that question. Define your relationship with the Lord right now. If you had to, who's really your number one priority? Is it your family? Is it your job? Is it a dog or a truck? Clothes, jewelry, money? Anything can be an idol. Mm-hmm. And that is the reality of this. He's saying, forsake everything else for me. Most people cannot do that. Most people refuse to do that. And that's why it says that there will be many in hell that enlarges itself daily. Mm-hmm. The last thing, 2 Peter 1-11, through This is what I want you to hear at the very end. It says, these qualities should be yours and increasing. Here's the thing. It's just like being in a marriage or being in a job. Um, Everybody in here has a job. Brother Travis always has to learn stuff because there's new technology. Brother Josh runs Coffee Route. There's gonna be new coffee blends. There's gonna be new things come out. They're gonna have new codes. He's gonna have to learn those. When I worked as a vendor, I knew codes for like hundreds of products in my, in my head. I didn't have to scan it. I didn't have to look at it. I knew what it was. I still remember some of those from when I was 20. Right? It's the same here. These are things that should, not should, they are in you, believer. Because they were deposited there by the Spirit of God. You not only should have these, but they should be increasing in your life. Your love for your spouse. Your love for your children. Your love for your God, your love for those things—it should be growing. It shouldn't be getting less. First Peter 1-11. one through eleven. Simon Peter, a bond servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours—that would be you and I. We've all received the same measure of faith from Jesus Christ when we were saved and born again. So he says to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours—that's us tonight. He's speaking to us. Thousands of years ago, he's speaking to you and I. By the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Mm. Through the knowledge, through the true knowledge of him who called us by his glory and excellence, you have everything you need. I know that we feel as though we're being crushed and we're perplexed on every side. I love that. That's in Corinthians. But we're not destroyed. We never are. And nothing that we're doing is in vain. Don't think that anything that you're doing is in vain because it's not. Because he just said that. God did not call you in his glory and excellence, fill you with his spirit and set you on a journey for you to fail. Mm. And for him to look like a laughingstock. No, he's equipped you to do exactly what you need to do because you could not do it yourself. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. That's already happened when you were born again. Go read Romans chapter 8. You're either fleshly or you're spiritual. Which are you? If you're still a spiritual being, I'm sorry guys, you're not saved. You've never been born again. You're one or the other. You know, such thing as a carnal Christian. That's a oxymoron now for this very reason also applying all diligence here we go applying all diligence in your faith supply moral excellence so that's number one moral and in your moral excellence knowledge and in your knowledge self-control and in your self-control perseverance and in your perseverance godliness in your godliness brotherly kindness Mm -hmm. and in your brotherly kindness love For if these qualities, this is the most important of all the things that have been said tonight. Starts in verse 8. If you want to go home and read it for yourself. For if these qualities are yours. It doesn't just say that though. It says and are increasing. It didn't just say if they're yours. Because if God filled you with his spirit and he's given you what you need. And he says that you're going to do these things and you're going to walk in these works. Do you think that as you go through your Christian life that's going to get less or more? going to get more because your relationship is closer. You're closer with God. You should be able to do more than you did in the beginning, spiritually speaking. I'm not talking about physical. But this is what he says. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If these things are not in your life, you are unfruitful and you do not know the true Savior Jesus Christ. That's what he just said. For every positive, there's a negative. Mm -hmm. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why there's so many preachers, televangelists, and people who don't know the truth of God. This is who they are. These qualities are not in them. They're not doing what's right. Mm. It's not the truth that they speak. Because if they had this, if they were who they say they were, the true knowledge that they have would be that of what? Of the Son of God. Just as Jesus told them, if you knew who I was, if you, I am God. If you say that father Abraham's your father and you worship him, if you really, if you really did, then you would be worshiping me because I am God. I am the one who he worshipped. But they could not see that. Mm-hmm. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or shortsighted, having forgotten his purifications from his former sins. That's a that is a charge against you. Do you hear what he said? That's a charge of judgment against you. So if you don't have those things or you can't see that, you lack these qualities, you are blind or short-sighted, and you have forgotten your purification from your former sins. You've forgotten what God's done for you. That is very disrespectful, almost blasphemous. Then he says, Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the interest into the eternal kingdom of our Lord Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you Mm. who wants to go to heaven I would really hope everyone in here would say (laughs) amen to that this right here 2 Peter 1 1 through 11 if these things are present in your life and they are increasing it is a promise that you will inherit eternal life I don't I mean there's many promises in this word and we can find other promises just like this That's what we all need in our life, guys. That's why we can endure the things that we go through. That's why when we started with 1 Corinthians 15, 58, therefore, because of this, because of the fact that all this is true, be steadfast, be immovable, always be doing the work of God, Mm -hmm. knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Now here's the other part. It says your toil is not in vain in whom? In the Lord. If you're doing this in yourself, Brother Gene made a statement tonight. If you're doing this for yourself or you're doing it for the wrong reason, it's not in the Lord. It's not pleasing God, and it's going to fall flat. It is an impossibility. It says again, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. That's why we don't go kicking down doors to try and get people saved. That's why we don't get into contentious fights with people over the Word of God, especially when we don't even know the Word of God. Cause I hear people fighting over the Word of God and they have no clue what they're even saying. So now they're both of them are making Christianity look foolish. That's not our lot in life. That's not what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to know the truth. We're supposed to be focusing on the faithfulness and the truth of Jesus Christ, His Word and what His Father has said to you and I. If you would, bow your heads. Father, we thank you again for this night. We thank you for everything that you've done for us, God, for the things you've kept from us, for the things that you've given us, Lord, but most certainly for the salvation, Father, that you've given us that faith, that measure of faith that brought us to where we are today and that you filled us, as your word says, with every single thing that we need, all the knowledge, all the godliness, and you've promised us perseverance of the saints if we would just stay in your will, if we would walk where you put us, If we would be led by the spirit that you so graciously give us. Father, if there is one who doesn't know you truly. Father, our hearts desire is that they would come to know who you are. We ask that you would be with us tonight. Father, and be with us as we go into the next week. Let us be immovable. Let us be steadfast. And Father, let us always be abounding in your work. Let us work for you as unto the Lord. Because that is exactly what we are to do every day of our life. Thank you for your word and for those who proclaim it. Thank you for those who penned it and for your spirit that you sent to live in us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.